Hello everybody, welcome to the Change of Perspective podcast, where we look at the world of creativity and art from many different perspectives. I am your host, Lizzie Lovejoy, artist of Change for Arc, creating work to celebrate the Northeast. Today, our topic is neurodiversity and disability in creativity, and I'll be talking to Victoria. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Change of Perspective podcast. I'm Lizzie Lovejoy, and today I will be talking to Victoria. Now, can you tell me a bit about yourself? I'm Victoria and I move, I'm originally from the Teesside area, but I've lived away for it for quite a long time and returned back here about three years ago. I'm autistic, sort of late diagnosed about four years ago. And sort of a big part of my life now is my creativity. I do a lot of textile work. That is how I've sort of used, I've used creativity as a way of exploring my identity, my autistic neurodivergent identity. And it's connecting with other people locally as well. What kind of work do you create? It's all hand-stitched, mixed media work, Um, It's all very early days for me. I did a piece a couple of years ago for an Emerging Artist Award, which I went for, and it was called Living With Waves. And it was hand-stitched, and it also had different textures in it. And it was just a way of me exploring what it was to discover that that I was autistic. So you said you were late diagnosed. Can you tell us a bit about your diagnosis process? I have always suspected that I was very different. I'm not really very good at fitting in with the norm. And I, over a lifetime, have had a lot of mental health struggles and things like that. I studied psychology. I think in some respects it was a way of trying, like a lot of sort of neurodivergent people, a way of trying to understand what's going on I did that and I learned then about autism but it was very pathologized it was all about these child predominantly children who um, were cut off from people didn't communicate didn't have empathy and I didn't relate to any of that I just knew I didn't fit in and I remember at the time reading an autobiography by an autistic author called Donna Williams. And part of it really connected with me, really resonated. And it sort of planted sort of a seed. But when I looked at all the diagnostic criteria, it wasn't me. So I sort of let it go and continued on my way for about another 30 years and then went on to have a family. My daughter was beginning to struggle at school and things like that. And I started to sort of look back on the research. And of course, things have moved on in 30 years. I remember reading work written by autistic women and what they were saying related to me. And it was a bit of a light bulb moment. So at that point, I thought, right, I need this diagnosis. I need to know one way or the other. I think I've sort of now realised you don't necessarily need that diagnosis. You can just identify. I was diagnosed age 44 and to me it was a relief, a really big relief. 
because I could sort of accept myself and understand myself. And through that, I sort of started to connect with the, the autistic online community. And it's been a bit of a journey, a positive journey and sort of at times very challenging, hard journey. I mean, I think it's it's interesting what you said about reading authors and then trying to find people that you that you connected with on that level, because I think a lot of us do that. We reach to fictional characters or people in yeah. real life where we see little pieces of us that we can identify with. Yeah, I also think it's not the diagnosis. I don't really like the term. Di I, I, it's almost like a discovering. It's a discovering of who you are as a person. And I think part of that is through reading books and podcasts like this and things. It's, yeah, it's helping people in that exploration. I think especially when you're talking about how it's how it's viewed and how different characters are viewed, I think now we're having a we're having a change of perspective. In the past, people with I don't even want to really use the word condition when referring to it because yeah. it's literally just a different brain process when people it's think a very it's a natural eyes. variation yeah neurodivergence has quite a wide breadth of diagnosable things this includes dyslexia autism obviously dyspraxia adhd divergent mental process a new and innovative way of thinking and so different people who've had this just for context for people includes mozart andy warhol and steve jobs they're all neurodivergent creatives. And so now that we're seeing this shift to see how neurodivergence can actually benefit society and always has done in such brilliant ways, I would like to know a bit more about your views of neurodivergence and your experiences of it. I think neurodivergent, neurodivergence, yeah, it is very wide. It's all Sorry, my brain goes blank sometimes. <laughs> this is where it comes in. Processing is one of, that is a drawback of mine. Some of the negatives are not because of actually being neurodivergent. It is not because of I am autistic. It is because of the way society is structured a lot of the time for me. We all, yes, there are challenges. There are a lot of barriers society is not made for me the barriers are created through others ignorance through not listening to actual neurodivergent people when you look at diagnosis process it's on external behaviors that an academic has or a professional has interpreted it's not how the people themselves would necessarily see it stimming there have been therapies to get rid of stimming. Stimming is natural. Everybody stims. Dancing is stimming. Everything like that. But when it is pathologized and people, it is suppressed. I don't like that <laughs> because for me, it's natural. For me, sewing is almost like a stim to me. It is that sensory input. I love that. Um, that's a big part. And that is when creativity it brings a positive i'm very detailed pattern focused i suppose i see things i process things differently so on one hand the sensory world i take everything in and that can become overloading but in another sense when i'm out in the woods or watching this i can see the patterns in the branches 
and that feeds into my work and that is positive to me <laughs> but there are times when I get overload and the world gets too much <laughs> when the world gets too much that is what the professionals or the diagnosis process is looking at it's not seeing you at a point where the diagnosis it's that it's looking at a sort of pathologized way and I don't see being autistic in any way like that from what you were saying there it's interesting how lockdown will have affected that because I don't know about you in me it's actually had some positive effects in that there are certain environments I haven't had to encounter and also over zoom calls I have various I'm gonna call it habits with with my hands and fingers and different things that I do automatically <laughs> and so I haven't had to encounter anyone asking about it the same way that they they normally would and so I wonder yeah. if you've had anything similar yeah I felt like lockdown has put everybody on us almost like an equal footing it's put everybody on mass into the position of having their world almost has been restricted but for me zoom is easier because it's not as overwhelming <laughs> it slows all the processing and things and I can stim that's important to me it's made the world more accessible particularly the creative world so I've been able to access live music because it's been streamed I've been able to listen to art history lectures things like that all these things I have had difficulty accessing because of the sensory overload. People don't realize the anxiety and how big a role that stops you from actually going to the things you enjoy, whereas lockdown has brought that into people's homes. And I hope, although it's been devastating, had a devastating impact for everyone, I hope that this leaves a positive legacy that this streaming of live art and music continues. But people are not realizing that when everything gets back to normal, which I don't think it ever will, there's still going to be a group of people who this continues, who are marginalized from things. And I think we have shown with technology and different working practices that we can do it. It needs not to be forgotten. Especially when we there were so many times where people had been told that their job couldn't be done working from home. And this time is specifically proved that most people's jobs can be done from home. And in yes. some cases, it's actually improved things. There is a balance. And a lot of I have left jobs in the past because I couldn't, it wasn't because I couldn't do the actual job. I couldn't take all the traveling and things like that. And we've shown that we could, can do that. It's not, I think as people, whether we're neuro, neurodivergent or not, we need contact with other people. And I think that is where it is hard and it has impacted everyone. I just hope it continues really, that those sort of accommodations continue. Well, you've told us a little bit already about how you got started in the world of creativity with an emerging artists project. Um, what led you specifically to the textile side of it? I've always loved sewing. It's I was taught it from a very young age. It's something I've always found soothing. 
very much it's all sensory the different textures and things like that and a few years ago sort of just after the diagnosis I just went into total burnout it was just everything got too much and I started sort of attending it was a creative social group it was there started exploring different mediums like print and drawing and stuff like that and I liked a bit of all of them but at the heart of it I love sewing I moved back here to the northeast about three years ago I wanted to continue that so I joined a well-being group run by a group called Whip It Up who I'm now part of and it was in the woods in Saltburn Woods and it was slowly realizing that I could develop this love of sewing and this love of different visual mixed media stuff and they sort of supported me to apply for this emerging artist thing which was I didn't quite realize what it was because I don't know the art world I have no formal training whatsoever it's just something I use to express myself when I don't have the words, it's something unspoken. It's for me, it's just a way of working through things. At the same time, some of the things that I produce resonate with other people and other people can relate to it, but it's all very early days. I think it's important. And that's why I think these sort of creative groups are very important. It's getting, it's allowing people to tell their stories in their own way. And for me, creativity and producing work is my way of telling my story. And I believe it's very important. It gives people a voice and a voice doesn't have to be spoken. It can be written, it can be on paper. I think there's often a barrier to creativity that there is this view. I had this view that I had to be trained. If you were an artist, you had to be trained. And I thought I couldn't do that because I didn't have that training. And then by opportunities like creative groups, I realized, no, anybody can create. And I think it's all important to break down those barriers because it's giving people a mode of expression. Last week, I was talking to Paige and Bet, who are running an exhibition, which is all about yeah. women in creativity. And it's almost like there's a shared goal, women in creativity, neurodivergence and creativity um, and various other different groups the, the goal is always to break a barrier and let everyone share their voice it's to connect and for me there's a group of people I can't process what everybody's saying I can't keep up with the conversations know when to speak at the right time it's all it's very different when you're with other neurodivergent people, then it's natural. For me, if I'm sat there and sewing or a group of people are creating something, the focus isn't on the speech. It just slows everything. It makes it more natural. And it means that I can connect and be with a group of people and not necessarily have to speak. I think it's a different way of approaching things. And I think it's really important looking into it there's different movements like the craftivist movement it's using arts and creativity and your opinions across as well no, no I, I love this kind of conversation i feel like we don't get the opportunity to do this enough 
again lots of lots of positive things about yes the way that art can impact everyone and help everyone creativity in general can help everyone with communicating and trying to understand themselves and understand the world and i know that you were talking about in conversation not knowing when it's your turn yeah it's like sometimes it's like watching a dance it's watching it's like you i watch these interactions i used to work in schools and the staff room was a nightmare because you're watching these people and it's so natural to them and it's just trying to fathom it out and work it out and i couldn't whereas when i was in the company of other mainly autistic people it was very different there was um it was all right to it was accepted that you sort of monologue that you went along with what you were interested in there wasn't all these unspoken written <laughs> rules that i never really got and constantly broke and sometimes a lot of the ways of connecting with people i can't access <laughs> i just it's too much yeah i can i can mask and almost pretend that i know what's going on but i don't when you look at the art world sometimes and the way of networking and stuff like that it's overwhelming <laughs> it's just not accessible for me yeah you want me to create but at the same time talk with all these people in a way that it's just overwhelming that saps all my energy so i can't create it's one of those things that i didn't really notice until later on in life that all of the people that i am currently friends with when we made friends we weren't necessarily diagnosed with anything and we didn't necessarily yeah. know but all of us that have chosen to connect together have autism adhd ptsd different neurological based again i don't want to say the word condition i'm trying to find a better no. way to phrase it because i i really dislike that word in the context i hate it. it i hate the word condition i hate the word disorder it's just a way of being yeah <laughs> it's just it's a variation a natural variation yeah and we all have this natural variation in my in my friend group and we connected on yes. that level it's like a magnet yeah yeah and what is fascinating is that we're all we're all creative people it for me it's freedom it's being in a place where and i you don't have to apologize so often i feel have felt in the past like i've had to apologize for my lack of filter or coming across as blunt or whatever and things have been misread into my actions which are not meant it's just i'm saying it as it is so you learn not to be yourself and then you try to fit in and that is really really hard and that has a mammoth effect but when you start being around other people who are similar that you connect with and it's almost unspoken it doesn't yeah you're right it doesn't matter it's like a magnet you do not it doesn't matter what diagnosis or condition it's just something unspoken it's like an energy yeah and it's freedom <laughs> and it's almost i have to go back to my ways of scripting <laughs> everything i do and 
it all feels sometimes very forced. <laughs> and I think there is now sort of research coming through that is led by neurodivergent people and that is explaining it things the things like the double empathy problem and things like that that are showing that the communication differences say autistic people communicate better with autistic people but the barriers and the difficulties come up when it is autistic people communicating with non-autistic people because it is a different culture it is a different way of being and i think there needs to be a move towards seeing neurodivergency the the next topic of conversation is about you and whip it up yeah so what do you do with whip it up and what's going on there whip it up has had to change quite a lot because a lot of it was in person I started going along there at quite a bleak point in my life. It was just a very gentle place. It was in the woods. There was creative activities and things like that. I started going along and then they were looking for another director to come on board. I sort of have done that, but I am more in the background. I'm quite quiet. <laughs> Yeah. and that's accepted everybody has a different role and that's what i like about it i may be in the background but everybody still has a voice that has been a big part of my life but it would be good to connect with other neurodivergent creatives as well yeah you've already Wait. started reaching out by the looks of it because obviously that's how yeah. i came across you was yeah. through the facebook group online yeah i had this idea because when I was in the southeast of England, I had friends who were autistic and neurodivergent and things like that. So I had that and I missed that input. I missed that. And I struggled quite a lot since coming up here to connect. So I had this idea to bring together other creatives and put up this web page and this advert. And it sort of snowballed a bit and took me by surprise and realise just how many wonderful creatives are out there. And it's sort of with all of lockdown happening, my brain is just frozen. <laughs> so it's something I'd like to develop, but I just don't feel it's for me to just develop on my own. I think it has to be led by a group of people. It's kind of like an organic process where the entire yes. community as a whole starts to yes. just feed in ideas individually that then becomes a, a big thing that everyone's doing. It's happening in pockets and the community. It's like online, sort of through lockdown as well. Of the last year, I've connected with sort of mainly autistic people on a website called Academy. That started up like arts, an arts section for that community, a small sort of group for people to connect and share their work. And I think that's quite interesting. It's seeing what other people are creating and the similar similarities and things like that. I'd like to ask a bit about your collaboration with Academy, actually, because you said in your email before that you were working on setting up like an arts collective group. Yeah, it's very, very early days. They've had a number, if you go on the website, they've had a number of artists come and talk about their art and their journey and things like that. It's very much their ethos I agree a lot with. It's 
look going from the social model of disability so it's moving away from this pathologized sort of it's an illness something to be treated it's just about people sharing their work and how exploring their identity our identity and things like that as you say it's very organic <laughs> i don't know how it'll go or where it will go i'm looking forward to to seeing it though i think especially around here you've got the northern school of art both the yes. middlesbrough campus and the hartlepool campus and so you've already got this big group of creative people so many of them whether diagnosed or undiagnosed are neurodivergent mm -hmm. um, because that almost goes hand in hand and i don't think people often think oh no i haven't got a diagnosis can i and it's like no you can self-identify that is equally as valid and i think that's important because i think that's one thing that's been an issue in the past is is almost this this judgment is not necessarily like believing each other without a mm. piece of paper that says i am this and people not feeling valid yeah and almost feeling it's like fraudulent that you haven't got a right to be who you are or to say how you identify i think it's finding little pockets of community it's finding those safe spaces creating those safe spaces be they online or in person it doesn't matter and I think sometimes there's parallels when you look at people who don't want to call themselves an artist. I'm not an artist because I haven't done this or done that or been trained this way. It's the same sometimes with being autistic or neurodivergent. You can't identify as being such because somebody, you haven't got that piece of paper. And I don't think you need that piece of paper. And it is about acceptance personal acceptance and other people accepting i mean at the moment you look at it it's all they go on about autism awareness and it's like no it's acceptance um is there anything creative that you're working on at the moment i'm sort of dabbling at the moment <laughs> i don't seem to be able to focus on one thing i think that's what sort of lockdown has done i sort of did that big piece to the emerging artist thing and then i felt this horrendous amount of pressure <laughs> <laughs> to produce something else exploring different mediums looking at different ways of printing onto cloth and things like that and because my brain is just not focusing at the moment at all and i think that's all right <laughs> i think yeah i would i am quite interested in sort of stimming and create that visually through sort of sewing and different pieces it's yeah there's lots of different ideas in my head but my head wears away with lots of different things it's sort of focusing it at the moment sorry that this is off topic but i just i just thought of it have you heard of sia's new movie oh that is very contentious <laughs> massively yeah i disagree with that on every level it's an absolute atrocity that it's in this day and age that was produced one they didn't use an autistic actress and also her response in the media early was very bad i don't know many people who've managed to actually get through watching it yeah it's just wrong on multiple levels 
it depicts restraint it's just wrong yeah i mean a huge amount of the problem that i've had with it is the literal portrayal because i do understand that in in the performing arts industry you're obviously going to end up with people that aren't exactly the same as their characters because that's mm. you know that's how acting goes in this case the portrayal that they chose that they directed towards was so I want to say grotesquely exaggerated and yes. and really a form of, of bullying in itself. It's just perpetuating the myth of what it is to be autistic. How long ago was Rain Man? <laughs> when that was what we're in the 80s. Yeah. Um, and you would hope things had moved on and this showed it hadn't. It is just going with those stereotypes. Sorry, I hadn't intended to talk about it and then it just came into my head. I'm glad you did because it (laughs) it has, I think this is where the voice of neurodivergent people through online platforms is beginning to come through and the objections to it and why are beginning to come through. She should have listened. (laughs) This is when people are film whatever they need to listen to the actual community they're trying to portray when you're yeah. when someone's saying oh this this is a mistake the direction you're going down now it's the the digging in your heels and yeah. saying oh no i'm not going to change i know better and she was dismissing people it's just discrimination on every level yeah, yeah. it was oh it was just horrible yeah on every level it was an opportunity a very big opportunity and it could have been done very very differently there are neurodivergent autistic directors out there it's giving allowing breaking down those barriers and allowing those people those opportunities yeah it's come back full circle that's what we began this conversation talking yeah. about is how <laughs> this is a means for breaking barriers and letting everyone it's- come together and I hope we're yeah. going in the right direction. I feel like we're going slowly in the right direction. I think you've just got to keep chipping away, really. Yeah. And giving people platforms to express their opinions. My final question is, what would you say to other neurodivergent creatives, whether diagnosed or not? What advice would you give? It's really difficult. Um do what feels right to you to use whatever medium you like to explore who you are and to be yourself sometimes it takes a long time and i'm still in that process age 48 trying to find out who authentically me is be who you are and express it in whatever medium feels right for you that is rubbish (laughs) no that's not rubbish that's brilliant (laughs) it's true and it's not about being successful or it, it isn't anything about that at all. Thank you all so much for listening. It's been wonderful to have you on, Victoria. Thank you so much for coming. You're welcome. See you guys next time. Bye.